20, I'm in case emergency. Ain't no cap in my rock. Really, I know it's the truck. More profit mean extra. Emma White out full of pressure. That cereal milk smoking right. But that Obama right, so special. Kansas City, I'm a chief. Shout out to K5 on this one. Country thinking I was hushing. I always had it on me. Booming like OJ the Juice. Till a nigga told on me. Run down this relentless. Ain't no love, we ain't friendly. If she want me on him. No the law, she get the business. No the law, still the model. Empire. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome in. This is the Birds of a Feather podcast with your boy Q-City. We're going to look back at last week's game versus Buffalo. Look at our season finale versus the Saints. Check out what this playoffs is doing in division, And then look at our betting points to give me props. You know it's always a little city talk at the end, so come along with me and enjoy this ride. All right, man. So last week, we took a loss. We took a loss that actually knocked us out of full playoff contention, so... You know, we got a game next week, but at this point, we're looking forward to next year. Lost at Buffalo 29 to 15. Now, this was this was kind of a weird game when you really get down to the nitty gritty of it, because we really were in positions to take control of this game and win this game. And within the flow of the game, we got a lot of breaks, a lot of breaks and just truly were unable to capitalize on a lot of them. Let's get into it. So Falcons get a first down, then they get a punt. They, they get a first down. They got a punt. It, it just, the offense wasn't clicking. It's in the snow. On the punt, they get a safety. Like, this has been the second game in the last three weeks that you've been gifted on the first possession, either yours or theirs. In San Fran, you were able to get a fumble very early and ended up on the one-yard line. You know, it, it was imperative to me that on that drive, you scored some points because it was a free possession. And if you look at it, I've got it, you know, written down here at the end of the game, the Falcons were able to have nine possessions and Buffalo was only able to have eight. You literally stole a possession from them. Usually teams get about 10 possessions a game. You know what I'm saying? And you literally stole one of Buffalo's possessions and got the ball back after half um, and were able to get the ball back after halftime because of a turnover. So like you stole a whole possession from them. They were unable to recover and you still, you know, were unable to to get it down. So it's 2-0 at this point. You get the ball back off the safety kick. You go three and out. This is detrimental to me personally. How I look at it is that like you have got to put your foot on their neck at this point. Going up 2-0, once you get the ball off the safety punt, it is imperative that you come away with points. You have to, even if it's a field goal, you have to come away with points because you stole in a possession at that point. Allen comes out on the Bills' first possession, and he is slinging it. AJ is getting lit up by Diggs on this drive alone. Buffalo gets down to the red zone, and then you get a DPI on fourth down. I don't know what AJ was doing. That that first drive was bad. That first drive was rough for him. I don't know if it was the snow or he was just unable to keep up with Diggs early, but this was a marquee matchup against a, a top-flight receiver, and AJ started the game out getting torched, getting burnt. And, and what made it worse is he did what I've actually been asking to do all year is he traveled. He traveled and got burnt. He got beat on a slant. Allen came in hot, so he missed it. And literally on the next play, you get a DPI when he tries to run an out route. It was bad. It was bad. So um, they get a fresh set of downs and they end up getting the ball in uh, the running back, backup running back boss. I think his name was so or Bass Bass. So it's 7-2 at this point. Falcons get the ball back. Matt Ryan immediately gets a sack fumble. So you've given back the possession that you stole. Because Greg Rousseau, who I, for the life of me, advocated for us drafting. Out of University of Miami, y'all know by now, I'm a Hurricane fan. It was, it was just, it made no sense not to get pass rush. But I understood that he was not going to be there in the second round. He, oh, man. I love Kyle Pitts, though. Love Kyle Pitts. We'll get to him a little later. But, man, I really wish we could have got Gregory Rizzo. Uh Pass rush will definitely be a focus for the offseason. But we'll discuss that in the offseason. You know, I got to have content to get me through the long months. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So going back to it, we get a sack fumble. Buffalo gets the ball. They get three good rushes. 
honestly, because we fumbled the ball very, very early in the uh, possession. I want to say it was like on the second play. So the ball was only on like the 25. They get three good rushes. And it ends in a touchdown. Baskets a second touchdown. We're down 14 to two at this point. Atlanta comes out and puts together a, a nice, sustainable, amazing drive. 10 plays, 65 yards. Uh, they had a rough in the passer penalty that was able to get like a free 15 yards, kept the drive going. It wasn't truly a questionable rough in the passer. You know, like we've gotten a few of those. And I would actually say we have to blame slash credit Matt's immobility for a lot of those rough in the passer penalties, because even when he starts to get out of the pocket or move to a certain side, you know, like the hits on him are going to look more dramatic because he's not as fast to, he's not as fast or as big to absorb those type of hits or those hits that look like that. No, I'm saying like Cam went through a stretch where he wasn't able to get any roughing the passer penalties. It's because he was big, strong and fast. And Lamar kind of falls into the same category where he's really fast. So he a lot of roughing the passer penalties are missed on him. Um, Matt doesn't really have that problem. So uh, any roughing the passer penalty that's even close, it usually gets called. So uh, they're able to get into the red zone. They ended up with a field goal it was 14 five. This is where, for me, I felt like the game was going to shift completely. Buffalo gets the ball back, and for all intents and purposes, they sh- they were going to be up 21-5. to five. They were going to be up 21-5. to five. It was over because they're driving down the field. There is nothing that is stopping this. N- nothing. They're getting it in a the run. They're getting it in the – and I think they only put the ball in the air three times on this drive. And they're, they're just – they're getting down the field easily. Josh Allen throws one of the worst picks I think I've seen in a long time. Harmon Harmon sits under the route easily, intercepts the ball in the end zone. When Atlanta comes out, we get a huge play by Kyle Pitts. And I had the Kyle Pitts 48 and a half. Um, I took the over. He, He covered it on this play, on one play. 61 yard catch. Uh, runs runs a simple drag route, catches the ball, and then you just let the athleticism take over. He's working across the field. He gets in front of it. He gets in front of DB, catches the ball, and he's off to the races. Safety's not going to catch him. He really, you know, could have outran that angle it looked like and scored a touchdown. But he was able to get very very close down to the uh, down to the red zone. You get a couple Mike Davis runs. And then it's bam, it's 14-12. We're right back in this game. That was a that was a 14-point swing. Because it very honestly should have been 21 to 5. And now it's 14-12. And you're immediately in this game. And then Allen comes out and throws another pick. He throws another one. This one, I thought the last one was bad. This one was almost as like almost worse. He's looking for uh he's looking for Beasley. He's looking for Beasley. Beasley curls up. AJ slides right in front of him. Like he didn't recognize that it was zone. <laughs> AJ, AJ literally just like steps there. It kind of almost looked like the Carolina pick. It almost looked almost exactly like the Carolina pick where AJ was like, are you really going to throw this? You know, I'm in zone and not man, right? I'm looking directly at you. Okay, well, I'll go ahead and take this. Since you don't have a respect for the ball, I will take the ball. <laughs> so AJ's up. Um, kind of making up for getting burnt crispy early in the early in the game. Atlanta gets out and they're able to get a field goal before half. Now, there was a lot of talk about like not having good clock management in this moment. The fact that they were able to come away with points was absolutely necessary, especially considering they only had two timeouts. Now, don't get me wrong, I would have loved a touchdown, but it was a heady play by Matt to make sure. You get the ball to gauge, and he gets down. You fighting for yards allows the ball to get popped out. It would allow, um, you know, time to run off the clock because defenders are smart too. And I know if you catch the ball with six seconds, I think they took the timeout with two seconds left. But if you caught the ball with six seconds, I would have held you up and made the ref blow the whistle. And that's if you actually didn't stop fighting for yards. Because if you're still fighting for yards and having forward movement, we could let four or five seconds roll off the clock. Gage got the ball, goes down. Goes down. That allows you to call your timeout, kick the field goal, 
make sure you get points off of that drive. Off their turnovers in the first half, Atlanta was able to capitalize on 10 points. Whereas off the, uh, not 10, 12 points, if you count the, if you count the safety, my fault. So they were able to capitalize off of 12 points. They only had one sustained drive in which it wasn't, um, Buffalo turnover related. You got three turnovers. You had 12 points in the first half. You were able to capitalize off the other team's mistakes and your three to one in the turnover ratio leaving the first half. You have to capitalize and make sure you got points. Looking at 15-14 at the end of the first half, considering how Buffalo was moving the ball uh, on the ground because Josh Allen had a terrible day. But on the ground, it was like, yo, we might be able to, to really not only hang with these guys, but get out of here with a win. You know, like we we are really putting in work today. But the game of football is 60 minutes. And when we come out in the second half, Allen gets a tip ball. Uh, Lua Khan is able to come down with it. You're thinking like, yo, we could really take control and possession of this game. And you come out and you have one of the ugliest looking three and outs I think I've seen in a long time. In a long time. Because when you come out, you get sacked. Then you get, uh, what's it called? You get sacked. Then you get a penalty. And then you get a penalty on fourth down. Which which pushes the punt even further back. It was terrible. One of the worst three and outs I think I've ever seen. Especially when you were capitalizing off of turnovers early. You get a ball back to Buffalo and they go on. A drive moving the ball, how they've been moving it. If you look back at the last couple of possessions, Buffalo turned the ball over, interception in the end zone, interception uh, not understanding the man zone concept, and then interception off a tip pass. Josh Allen threw three straight interceptions to your defense. He gave you the ball three times in a row. In a row, consecutively. And you were only up one point. You give them the ball, you're not gonna hold this. You're not gonna hold this offense down forever. It's, it's not gonna happen. Eleven plays. Uh, I want to say it was eighty yards, and they got the two point conversion. They're up fifteen to twenty two. That they, they only put the ball. They they only had one play of twenty plus yards. They literally took our soul on this drive. Just took it and made you understand that, like, no, 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 no. We've been fucking up as a team. You don't actually belong on this field and they made sure we knew it because they only put the ball in the air three times on this drive Allen was running the ball bass was running the ball just completely seizing possession of the game dominating us on the offensive line falcons get the ball back you start the drive you get a first down and then you have an illegal forward pass which Killed the drive. Matt was Matt was clearly beyond the line of scrimmage. Whole body was beyond the line of scrimmage. And usually they get it to where your whole body, like if the back of your heel is behind the line of scrimmage, you're you're able to throw that ball. But his whole body was above the line. He I'm not sure if he lost track of where he was, what happened, but it totally killed the drive. And then you give the ball back to Buffalo, and they had another long TD drive. They put the ball in the air twice to digs. Other than that, it was run, run, run. Run, run, run. We're sucking at complimentary football on this point because you're putting your defense out there consecutively, especially when your defense did a great job at not only containing them, but getting turnovers. Turnovers are considered especially random. But when you have an opportunity to get them, have your and your defense actually capitalizes by when the ball is tipped up or when you're in a when you're in a man or zone concept and the other quarterback throws you the ball, actually getting your hands on it and coming down with the interception or, you know, fumble recovery or strips hat or whatever. Turnovers are random. But when your defense actually gets them, you have to capitalize on them or at least at the very least have a sustained drive. It's a problem that the Falcons have run into time and time again is that. When we allow a long touchdown drive defensively, we come out and allow a three and out, which um, which puts our defense right back on the field. 
The same defense that just had 10, 11, 12 plays ran against them. Guys are tired. You're not robots. Like you're going to have to start subbing in on the defensive line. And I love how people say the next man up mentality and all that jazz. It's perfect. It sounds great. But there's a reason guys are starters and there's a reason guys are backups. And if you're rotating out your starters and putting in backups, by definition, your team is not going to be as well as good. It's just it doesn't happen. You know what I'm saying? So when you have an 11 play drive and then you come back out and have a 10 play drive behind it, it your, your defense is your defense is down. They're tired. They're beaten down and downtrodden. And it's because your offense can't sustain drives. It's it's the most underrated concept of the of the Patriots dynasty is that the best part of them was complimentary football. They played a bend on break style defense, which means if you kept them on the field for a long ass time, you were probably only only going to get a field goal. And then their offense kept you off the field. Even if they didn't score, their offense kept you off the field long enough for their defense to rest. And it's something that we we have undoubtedly struggled at. So we get to get we get the ball for our last drive, ostensibly, put together a good drive. We get down to the red zone. About five, six minutes left. Matt runs the ball in. Now, there's that huge controversy over Kenny Pickett, where he was running the ball, he started a slide, popped up. And took off for another 60 yards for a touchdown. And the defenders were mad because the defenders were like, oh, we held up because it looked like he was going to slide. The NFL penalizes that way harsher. And so to alleviate that out of the game, where you start to slide, where you start to give your body up as a quarterback, you're down. Not, 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 Not as a runner. Not as a runner now. If you're a running back and you start to give yourself up, you can still get thwacked. If you're a wide receiver, you start to give yourself up. You have slight protections, but you can you can still get hit. It's usually if you start to dive, they'll go where your knee is down or where somebody touches you. Or if you, you know, give yourself up, curl up into a ball or whatever. That's usually the case. But for a quarterback where you start to give yourself up, you're you're down. So that you don't have so that you have that extra protection as a quarterback because you're one of the most important people on the on the field. Matt gave himself up too early. I get a lot of people saying, oh, he should have went in standing up. I don't necessarily believe that because there was a DB coming with ill intent. And if you remember the San Fran game where he thought he could get two yards and end up getting shellacked, I, I know that was in the back of his head. Okay, you don't go in standing up. You go in, you go in reaching instead of going in on your back, trying to give uh, looking like you're clearly giving yourself up. If you go in reaching, there's you can't tell me that you don't get that ball over the goal line, the tip of the ball over the goal line. Even if you were down right there, I think everybody would have been okay with you being down right there. But the taunting call killed you. The taunting call killed you, man. You turn a third and goal at the inch line to a third and 16. You miss the pass to Gage and, and then you're unable to convert on fourth. You, you miss the pass to Gage on third down. You're unable to convert on fourth. Matt lost his cool. Matt lost his cool. And I, it was the first taunting of his career. And I get it how in that moment you don't really want to call it. But I'm pretty sure the official, the official called the taunting penalty with the idea that it would affect the extra point and not the actual touchdown. Because if you looked at it, he he seemed to be pretty content on the fact that it would affect the extra point. In which case, the Falcons would have had to scramble, two-pointer, whatever they would have had to do in that situation. It looked like he was barely content with it affecting the extra point and not the touchdown. But Matt wasn't in because he gave himself up too early. It's not about where you're touched. It's not about where you're touched. As a quarterback, you give yourself up early. You're down where you start to give yourself up, just like a slide. Had he slid in feet first, they would have stopped where the ball was, regardless of whether his feet were over the goal line or the ball ended up over the goal line when he stopped. I honestly believe had he get had he slid feet first, the DB diving in would have caused a penalty. 
but you go down with your back exposed uh, trying to protect the ball, they're going to give you up early. They're going to say you gave yourself up early. Buffalo gets the ball back, ran the clock out. Uh, Falcons were unable to even cover because of that. It, it was it was it was bad. It was bad. So takeaways from the game. Surprisingly, the Falcons were in the game a good bit of the time. There was a great battle between AJ and Diggs. Um, AJ was able to keep up with him after you know getting crispy within the first like three drives. Josh Allen had a terrible day, and we weren't able to really capitalize on it. Now, struggled in the red zone again, you know, field goals and then the opportunity late where we came away with no points and Matt lost his composure on top of having another bad game under 200 yards. He 13 to 23, 197 yards. He was sacked five times. His quarterback rating. Let, let me show you how much of a bullshit stat quarterback rating is. His quarterback rating was 84.9, right? 90.2, I think, is considered like an upper echelon quarterback. He's six points off of that. He's 84.9, right? His QBR was 24.4 because they realized QBR definitely puts a lot of vested interest on complimentary football. Once a team scores, do you come out and go three and out or do you hold the ball for an extended period of time? Because by comparison, Josh Allen went 11 for 26. So he completed two less balls with three more passes, 120 yards, 77 yards less, and had three interceptions to match none. He had a 17 for a quarterback rating, but he had a 61.3 QBR. He took no sacks and he had 81 yards rushing. And if you looked at the game, regardless of his three interceptions and his low his low numbers passing, there was no way in the world that you thought Matt Ryan was having a better day than Josh Allen. One guy threw three picks and only completed 11 passes. And you still thought, oh, he's playing a better game at quarterback than the other guy. That's why quarterback rating is it's a joke of a stat. It truly is like you got to go on QBR because 61 50 is average 24.4 on match number is like, yo, you play decidedly below average, which if you watch the game makes total sense. And Josh Allen, you play slightly above average, which if you watch the game made sense. And one guy was way better than the other, even despite the turnovers. Um, As a team, we had 96 total rushing yards. Uh, one touchdown. Pitts, he had two catches for 69, but that big one for 61, like, definitely helped set the set the tone on the game. There was almost a no-drop target to catch rate. Like, most guys had, I think Gage had four receptions, six targets. Pitts had four receptions, two targets. Like, there was, there was no drops. There were almost no drops, even in the bad conditions. And Koo is balling. Youngway Koo has been a cash money set. For each time I bet on him, and he's he's almost automatic this year. He had one bad miss, I want to say in Carolina. But other than that, his his kick rate has been amazing this year. He has been on point. Uh, Diggs had nine targets, five catches. Three were on AJ, and he had a DPI. So it's not the best game for AJ in terms of it, but AJ was able to you know keep him under wraps. Beasley had six targets, two catches, and AJ had a pick on his own co- zone concept with him. So definitely when he was on that side, locked him, shut him down. AJ back the ball and you face an elite receiver. You're going to give up catches. You know what I'm saying? Like D-Hop towards Jalen Ramsey. And the, those two are considered the best in the game. You're going to allow catches. How do you respond? How do you keep the game up? AJ definitely did that. Uh, six tackles for loss defensively for Buffalo to two for Atlanta. And then five sacks to one sack quote-unquote per se aj pulled up on a fake wide receiver uh pass play and so they counted it as a sack instead of a tackle for loss so hell aj gets a gets a little stat stuffer right there but atlanta definitely definitely was not in the same class defensively as buffalo today part of it is josh allen is elusive and he's a big guy hard to bring down but they barely got tackles for loss in the run game in the snow where you know they're going to pound the run, either with the quarterback or the running backs, like they did today. Regardless of that, coaching was definitely on point. 
I have my reservations about Arthur Smith and Dean Pease as a combination. What they've done with this team this year is pretty astounding. And I I gotta say, I'm happy with what they put on the what they put on the field. They've been in a lot of games. They've, you know, he's gotten a lot of the coaching points as far as the timeout situations and the calling certain pass and run concepts within certain moments. And there's a clear identity to the team at this point. It was kind of it was very fluid early in the season, but now it's clear. It's clear. When possible, we want to have a power running game set on play action passes to the boundaries. Regardless of what receivers we have, regardless of what running backs we have, that is the identity. Now we're going to plug and play and get guys who fit this scheme better in these positions, but these are the guys we want. I mean, this is the concept that we have. This loss kicks us out of the playoffs, but we can 100% still play spoiler to our arch rivals. And that's what we have to look to looking forward. Let's look ahead to next week. Hey, you guys, it's your boy Q City. As you know, I love Atlanta. It's teams, it's venues, but more importantly, it's culture creators. 15XV, like the Roman numeral, is a brand line dedicated to capturing the essence of the city. Their gifted artists have clothing that not only show their support for the thriving Atlanta teams, but also show their true talent. Black created, owned, and operated, 15 has a special offer for Birds of a Feather listeners. Go to 15.weebly.com and type in promo code QCITY15 to get 15% off on your first order. That's QCITY15 for 15% off on your first order. 15.fiftxvn.weebly.com. Excellence is waiting for you. Next week, we are facing the New Orleans Saints. They're sitting at 8-8, eight and eight, pretty right now. And they still have a shot at the playoffs. We have every intention of making sure that that does not happen. We had a win versus Saints 27 to 25. Eesh, sorry about that. Anyway, had a win versus Saints 27 to 25 in week eight. That's when they made that furious, furious comeback late. We don't want to get into that same situation. Coach Payton is an offensive genius. Everyone, everyone knows it. He's been that way for years. He is what... He's in that category of what like Bill Belichick is on defense. That's who he is on offense. He's going to move the ball, and you're not going to keep his offense down forever. They've struggled at QB, but Taysom Hill is slated to start this game. Uh, he's definitely he was definitely up and down. They're coming off a loss from Monday night. <clears throat> They're coming off a loss Monday night against the uh, Dolphins. Clear loss. Clear loss. They got their they got their ass beat pretty soundly so i'm not overly worried about that being a hangover type game i'm pretty sure they're just gonna flush the tape on that considering they were starting ian book and he is not an nfl quarterback at all they've got a standard 4-3 defense man-to-man 2d and pressure they they don't like to blitz a lot but they will when necessary but they like to just go man up we're better than you at every position. And to be honest, because of how they drafted, they have been better at a lot of positions over time. The players to watch, one, Cam Jordan. 77 tackles, 11 and a half sacks, one forced fumble this year. He loves killing Mac Ryan. Like, he feasts upon him. I honestly think he waits for the Atlanta game every year to then stat stuff. His last game, he had seven tackles, one one sack. Uh, the last time we played in week eight. He's a game changer. He's a game wrecker. There's almost nothing he can't do. He plays well against the run, uh, sheds blocks pretty consistently and very easily. And then he gets after the quarterback over 100 career sacks. Uh, He's the heart and soul of that defense. He was drafted the same year as Matt Ryan. So he's literally been terrorizing Matt Ryan since his rookie year. Dude is a monster. You know what I'm saying? Big guy. And you've got Davenport on the other side, which kind of bookends him. Uh, Second player to watch, Alvin Kamara. 752 rushing yards, four touchdowns, 45 receptions, 423 yards, and five touchdowns in the receiving game. He had 13 rushes for 50 yards and a touchdown, and then four receptions for 54 yards in the Week 8 matchup. So over 100 yards of scrimmage, one touchdown. It, dude, dude is dude is nice. Dude is nice. He he hikes the ball. He gets on the when you hike the ball and you put him on the field, you're expecting 
at least, at least 100 scrimmage yards and most likely a touchdown. He is who Debo is going to shadow. You know what I'm saying? That's what our defense kind of looks for. In this new 3-4 set, receiving backs haven't been as effective as they were in our base 4-3 set that we've ran the past couple years that Debo really excelled at. They've been able to either hit him with the outside uh, linebacker spots, Fowler, or on the other end, and force those guys to stay in to contain. Receiving backs haven't really killed us this year. If anything, backs have ran the ball against us pretty effectively. Past couple weeks, we've shut down the run. From from the running back perspective, shut down the run outside of the uh, San Fran game, the Lions game, and the Buffalo game. The running backs didn't really kill us. Mobile quarterbacks, definitely. Josh Allen had a bunch of rush yards. But from the running back position, this defense is doing very, very well against them, which makes sense because Dean Pease is an older defensive coordinator. And for a good part of his career coming up, you know, if you heard his rant, he was a D3 coach. He was a D, D2 coach. Then he played. Then he uh, got with the Patriots. The game was always played a certain way, whereas the running back was the focal point of the offense. So if you took away the running back, you were able to take away a great bit of the offense. So, I mean, most of his defenses are predicated to taking away the running back, either in the receiving game or the passing game. No, his first Super Bowl was against Marshall Falk, who didn't have a great day receiving, regardless of being like one of the best receiving running backs. So, 100%, I love how the defense is configured now. Took a minute to get there, took took pretty much the whole season, but this defense, with an upgrade in talent over the course of the next 12 months, should be rocking and rolling next year. I actually think they're undervalued. We'll get into that in City Talk. But I don't see Alvin Kamara having a super huge day if we can continue on the trajectory we are of keeping guys under wraps. Then last guy, Marshawn Lattimore. 79 tackles, three interceptions. He had eight tackles in the last matchup as well as two passes defended. Dude is a lockdown. He gives some of the best receivers problems. He always gave Julio issues. He always gives Mike Evans issues. He actually doesn't do great against shorter, smaller, shiftier receivers, though. He's he's definitely a guy who battles with the bigger, faster guys, freak athletes. And that's because he's more so of a freak athlete. But smaller, shifty guys, Gage was able to give him problems. Uh, Cole Beasley gave him problems when they faced him this year. And both of Miami's shorter sh- receivers gave him issues. So... That might be something that we're able to attack when playing him this year. But he is, he is a, a lockdown, shutdown corner. If they take Carolina's method of putting a corner on Kyle Pitts, considering he is the big offensive weapon, it might spell trouble for the, for the Falcons this day. But overall, I definitely need to see a win out of these guys. New Orleans is pushing for the playoffs, and the Falcons being able to play spoiler is just poetic justice for the season. We're already guaranteed an under 500 season, but winning eight games is winning eight games. And it puts you in in a great mood, in a great uh, look toward the future. I don't think we're ever going to be bad enough to win five, six games, you know what I'm saying, in the foreseeable future. I don't see us having a fourth overall pick again. But an eight win season is something to definitely build upon and it keeps the saints in the it keeps the saints out of the playoffs there's not much to say on schematically strictly because you know this team already their coaching staff hasn't changed it's been the same for years at this point dennis allen for three sean payton uh touching the offense activate the short passing game utilize the back side of the backfield slants uh slants with the rod receivers you know it Hell, our GM came from the Saints. So did our punter. You've got to just line up and play. Beat them last time. We're able to hold on the comeback that was coming. Need to beat them again. I'm looking forward to it. Let's go Falcons. Hey, guys. Q-City here. Me personally, I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit. But the one thing that's always held me back, not having my credit right. Credit is super important, especially where we are in life. Go to CourtneyHagans.com to get your credit right. Bad credit ain't cute. CourtneyHagans.com. That's Courtney, H-A-G-I-N-S.com. Use promo code QCity15 to get a free consultation. Indivision is sponsored by Courtney Hagans Credit Repair.
Bad credit ain't cute. Get your credit right at CourtneyHagens.com. So if you look around the league, there are tons. And when I say tons, I mean tons of playoff scenarios that are still like in the mix. Definitely up to par, up to wraps. So if you start from the bottom, the Lions, Giants, Panthers, Seahawks, Washington football team, the Bears, all out of the playoffs, 6 and 10, 6 and 10, 6 and 10, 5 and 11, 4 and 12, 2 and 13 and 1. Those guys, done, out. Added to the mix this week were us, the Falcons, and then the Vikings in the nine spot. All those teams are mathematically eliminated. There's no way to get into the playoffs. So we are looking to the draft at this point. You know what I'm saying? We finish at at best, at best, we'll finish eighth in the NFC. Um, but right now we're 10th. So just outside the playoffs, we're not, not able to make it. The teams that still have an option to make it. The Saints at the eight spot, the 49ers at seven are both up in the air on whether or not they can make it. The six seeds ahead of them have all been clinched. Eagles at six. Cardinals are fluid at five. Cowboys are fluid at four. Bucks are fluid at three. Rams are fluid at two. And Packers are stuck at one. But two through five, I mean, two through six are all fluid. Hell, two through seven, technically, because the 49ers can bump up with the Eagles loss. So there's a lot of playoff scenarios that can still like flux and move based on what, what's going on in the division. So if you look at it, the Packers don't have anything to play for. They're literally just playing because they have to play this game. And I think they'll keep it going. Aaron Rodgers, I don't think he likes losing to the Lions. The Lions play him hard. Uh, usually every year, but that's because they had Stafford. I'm pretty sure the Packers kind of feel out this game. If they get up to an early lead, I definitely expect to see Jordan Love. If they get down early, I definitely expect to see Jordan Love. I don't think they're going to put Aaron Rodgers out there, especially with the toe injury, just to run up stats. He almost, he, he's got the MVP in the bag. Even if Joe Burrow plays like a great game or Tom Brady does, I'm pretty sure most, most people are gonna recognize that like Aaron Rodgers is a monster this season and he deserves to be MVP now uh, Tom might put up some stat numbers you know what I'm saying in this last game of the season versus the Panthers and they do actually have something to play for so if that's the case and that happens he might sneak away with an MVP but I'm pretty sure Rodgers is the MVP and there's no reason to risk him getting injured this week the Rams Rams are playing a huge game versus the 49ers So all the possibilities that can come from this game, if the Rams lose and the Cardinals win, the Rams drop all the way to five and the Cardinals win the division. If the Rams lose and the Cardinals lose, they stay in two. Rams lose, Cardinals lose. No, if the Rams lose and the Bucks and Cowboys win, the Rams could drop to the four spot or the Cardinals could be in the four spot. There's a lot of fluidity there, but The 49ers and Rams are a huge matchup because on the flip end, 49ers win and they're in. But if they win, they're relying on the Falcons to beat the Saints to make sure that they stay at. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Because if the Saints win and the 49ers lose, the Saints are in. And that solidifies the Eagles in the sixth spot, regardless of whether they win or lose. Eagles, they want to win so that they stay in that sixth spot, but... They're okay losing because they're in the playoffs either way. So their game against the Cowboys, although it means something, it doesn't mean everything. The Cowboys are sitting in the four spot right now, and they could jump. Uh, they could jump to the three spot if the if the Rams lose and the Bucks win. If the Bucks lose, it doesn't really make a difference. The Cowboys can't jump them; they'll still be in like the three spot. Uh, but if it all holds, if it all holds chalk and Packers win, Rams win, Bucks win, Cowboys win, they're going to be stuck in the four spot. It just is what it is. Even with, uh, even if the Rams lose and then Carolina wins, the Cowboys can't jump them because they lost head to head. So they're hoping that the Bucks lose and the, uh, Cardinals lose. But regardless, the highest they'll go is three. You still have home playoff games and, you want to get out of that 4-5 matchup because as of right now, you're facing the Bucks again. I mean, you're facing the Cardinals again. And they just dog-walked them a couple weeks ago. 
there's still a lot of stuff that's very fluid within the playoff picture. But by definition, mathematically speaking, we are out of it. But while being a Falcon fan, I'm a football fan. So, you know, we love the playoffs. We love, you know, like I'm going to talk about it, obviously, as we go through. But in relation to the Falcons, we're out of it, but we can still play spoiler. We still have a part to play in this. We can keep the Saints out of the playoffs. And that's definitely something I'm looking forward to doing. Now on to my favorite portion, the betting portion. Give me props. Tune in. As soon as this one drops, the bottom line is with Greg Antoine is dropping the same day. I'm going to release all three podcasts the same day. So as soon as you're hearing this one, go ahead, park your butt, listen to the feed. You're going to have all three shows, uh, the Falcons podcast, the Hawks podcast, and the bottom line with Greg Antoine. Starting the new year off right. You know, we've been promising it. We had little scheduling difficulties, technical issues, whatever. Let's not make let's not make it about what didn't happen. Let's look at what is happening. The bottom line is dropping. So go ahead, check that out. We'll be giving out all the betting points and make you some money. You know, bet responsibly, follow your limits, but look for us. So I entered the season 29 and 21, 58%. It was three and two last week and then one-on-one on the bonus picks. So it moved me up to 32 and 33. I don't I mean, 32 and 23, I don't count my bonus picks. I just give them out because if if I count them as real picks, I would just go ahead and say they're picks. You know what I'm saying? Uh, They're usually just flyers just out there to see if you can get some money. What it was was (sighs) Josh Allen, total rushing and passing, 294 and a half. I took the under. That was a hit. Kyle Pitts, 47 and a half yards receiving. I took the over. He covered it on one play. It was beautiful. Diggs, five and a half receptions. I took the over. Now, the reason for that was I didn't expect uh, AJ to travel. He did and was still getting burnt early in the game. But then they got to a point to where they just really weren't passing the ball like that. They were running the ball pretty effectively with Allen and Bass. So they kept the ball out the air. Diggs Diggs got five receptions. So that was a... That wasn't a hit. Uh, Cordell Patterson rushing and receiving 64 and a half yards. I took the over. He hit 52 uh, combined. He has been in a slump lately. We're going to talk about that in City Talk. But he hasn't been on like up and up upper echelon like he was earlier in the season. Uh, Cool kicking points has been cashing all year. I'm going back to that. Well, best believe it. But four and a half uh, kicking points. I took the over. He hit very easily. So my two bonus picks, Falcons cover the 14 and a half. No, not at all. Uh, 15 on the money. And it was, it was uh, trash. Like at the very least they should have covered because of that Matt touchdown, but whatever. I digress. It's in the past. Yeah. And then Matt 19 and a half completions. I took the over. He had 13 in the snow. Uh, to be honest with you, I probably should have took the under, but like, I still have this faith and belief that Matt is a somewhat decent quarterback on completion percentage but he hadn't put up over 30 completions in like six weeks at this point i want to say five weeks six weeks at this point hasn't put up over 30 um attempts so like of course his completion numbers aren't going to be great because if you're completing 60 percent at 30 attempts looking at 18 completions 18 balls man is it so the 19 and a half it just that that number didn't actually make sense when i sat back and thought about the numbers on it Follow me, QCity11 on Twitter, QCity Media on Instagram and YouTube, and QCity Leo on TikTok. I give out my betting points, betting advice, betting tips on all those. Give me a follow, give me a like, give me a mention, all that good stuff. Follow me, you guys. Um, but like I said, bet responsibly. Don't put you or your family at risk, but enjoy it. Enjoy betting. Make some money with it. It's fun. Adds a little juice to the game. And you know I'll be back at it giving my uh, Falcons takes, giving my Falcons picks on the Hawks pod during that Gimme Prop segment. So hear me out. Follow me, you guys. All right, now we get into some city talk. First things first, Black Monday is coming up. Now, granted, we were a victim of this last year. Not really in the sense that we had a coach to let go. We just knew that Raheem Morris wasn't going to be retained. But Black Monday refers to the fact that 
Come this Monday, it's going to be some people out of jobs. Yes, granted, these are real people. These are affecting real lives. But we're just talking about the business of football. In the business of football, there's going to be some guys fired. Um, Nagy, he's probably out up in Chicago. And Zimmer's probably out in Miami, in Minnesota. Now, if you think about it, if you think about it, Vic Fangio might be out uh, with Denver, depending on, you know, what happens with the Kansas City game. If those guys are able to rally, might save his job or, you know, they might give him another year, draft a quarterback or hope that Teddy's good. But nine times out of ten, he is gone. Our division probably straight. Matt Rule, touch and go. I'm not sure, but I'm because of the amount of money that they gave him, even though the owner is fucking loaded on top of loaded i'm pretty sure he's gonna be back next year so our division setting straight you look at the nfc east giants gone judge 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 he's gotta go he's gotta go you know what i'm saying like gettleman he's still there but if if you're honest about it judge probably wasn't the right hire gettleman has been drafting crappy players yeah true but judge judge is probably not the right hire he's gotta go um Everyone else in the NFC East is straight. If you look at the NFC West, P. Carroll, maybe, you know what I'm saying? That's a touch and go situation, depending on, you know, what's going on with Russell Wilson. That just might be a clean divorce. You know what I'm saying? Where they just ship Russell off elsewhere and let Pete stay in charge. Or they may get rid of both of them and completely reboot it. And then the NFC North, we already touched on Minnesota and Chicago. Uh, you look to the AFC West. There's no one really going to be a victim of Black Monday, but the Raiders do need a new coach, you know what I'm saying? And Fangio, like I said, it depends on that Kansas City game. AFC South, Urban's already out, and that was that was just a all-time disaster. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's a great college coach, just not fit for the pros. Um, not really a victim of Black Monday, but he'll, you know, Jacksonville's going to need a new coach. You look at the AFC North. That whole division is pretty much safe. They've got quarterbacks uh, pretty much... All got their quarterback. You know, Pittsburgh's got to do something about Ben, Big Ben. He might have played his last game. Um, they're probably going to be in the somewhat market for a quarterback. There's a rumor going around about that. We'll we'll see how it percolates. And, you know, I'll discuss it next week if it has any merit. And then um, you just look at the AFC East. That one is pretty set as well. The Bills coach ain't going nowhere. Bills stuck. Uh, the Jets just hired a new coach. And the Dolphins, Flores is, Flores is nice. So, you know, usually on average, it's about seven positions that open up yearly. And off the top of my head, I can think of three that will be a victim of Monday and then two that were already open. So looking at about five, but there's always there's always going to be a surprise out there. So it, it might percolate up to six. But either way, just know there's going to be a change in coaching staffs coming And the big part of that. The huge part of Black Monday and coaching staffs being hired and whatnot is really how it might affect your team. Now I'm saying last year, we were the beneficiaries of it. We took Arthur Smith and early in the year, it severely hampered uh, Tennessee. You know what I'm saying? So you got to think, I don't think we have anyone on our staff who is potential head coach, you know, like capable outside of Dean Pease, but he's never actually shown a propensity to want to be a head coach. And the last three defenses that he's, headed all have had bad statistical years but anyone who watches it can tell like hey these defenses are coming up his last two years in Tennessee they were bad statistically you go back and watch it's like ah they're not the best but toward the end of the second year they started to come on the Falcons toward the end of this year started to come on defensively granted AJ is a big part of that um Aluakon, big part of that switching to the three four the personnel matches a bit we got to get some dominant outside linebacker edge rushing but we'll discuss that during the draft during the draft phase um yeah nah it's it's definitely no one on our staff should be a victim of it but in our division if you look at it the saints last year lost one of their quote-unquote assistant head coaches to the lions Dan Campbell took a bit of New Orleans with him and granted their QB situation is trash, but you can't tell me that losing that coach this year didn't have an effect on them. The Titans, yeah, they're going to probably get the one seed, but they're going to get the one seed with 12 wins. It's not like they had 
a dominant season. And their offense hasn't been at all what it was with Arthur Smith. Granted, Derrick Henry's out. There's factors to it. But teams are affected greatly by coaches being hired elsewhere. Also in our division, Tampa. Tampa might really lose two coaches this offseason. And um, Byron Leftwich might go to Jacksonville. There's a lot of connections there. And Todd Bowles is going to get, he's going to get word like from a team. They're going to interview him. I'm not sure if he gets a job or not, but he and Byron Leftwich, Tampa could be without both its coordinators coming in the next season. So that that would be that would be a huge coup for Atlanta. You know what I'm saying? Tom Brady having to learn a new offense, even though, you know, like he's the goat or whatever, but having to learn a new offense and then bring in a new defensive coordinator with also different defensive personnel because they're not going to run back the same team two years in a row, regardless of how this season ends. You got to get fresh bodies, fresh blood in there. So it, it may be a worst to first type of not worst to first, but there our division is very fluid. Our division is very fluid going in, in into next year. So something we definitely got to be, you know, uh, got to be cognizant of next. This whole rumor about Ridley wanting out. It's been the whole talk of anything that I've gotten or anything that I've seen online. It's about, oh, Ridley wants out. Ridley wants in Philadelphia. Ridley ain't said shit. Ridley ain't said nothing. He has not made any public statement about wanting out. It hasn't come from his agent. If you look at the article that started this all, it was a guy hypothesizing. That's all it was. It was conjection and rumor. And and the sad part about it is, People take it for their word because it's like it's some type of indictment on on Matt. Oh, Ridley doesn't want to play with Matt. Julio doesn't want to play with Matt. Julio got cut because he was injured two years in a row and he was making 20 plus million dollars at the wide receiver position. He was fucking up the cap and the cap went down. That's why they got rid of Julio. Julio's a Hall of Fame player. He's a beloved Falcon. No one doesn't want him to be here, especially not Matt. And Julio did not want to be here. Julio's making too much. And the Falcons were not going to pay him. Not going to continue paying him with the numbers that they had. If anything, you could blame Matt's contract, but not Matt itself. Julio's had a Hall of Fame career, and he's had a Hall of Fame career with Matt as his quarterback. Stop it. Ridley, mental health issues, don't know the extent of it. I doubt that you would give up a great bit of your career especially considering you only have so many years of it, especially during what is considered a contract year. After your fourth year, you want your extension. You want your multi-year extension. All the Falcons did was pick up a fifth-year option. So, like, not playing or balling this year kept him from getting that multi-year extension. So even if he wanted to be traded, it, it, it made no sense. You can cut him before June 1st and save him $11 million on the cap. That's That's an easy way to look at it. But... At the end of the day, it makes no sense for Ridley to want to pull this stunt to get out. Even though he even if he wants out, it makes no sense for him to pull this stunt to get out. And then on top of that, it's like a pipe dream saying, oh, uh, Philly would give a first round pick for him. First off, Philly has already invested first round picks in wide receivers for the past two years in a row. And in case you were wondering, Devontae Smith is balling. Balling. It makes absolutely no sense to then invest another first-round pick, even though you have three, into the wide receiver position and get Calvin Ridley. It, it just, people say these things and it's like they don't take the whole picture into consideration. Even if Ridley does go anywhere, if you want a first-round pick, it's not going to be from the Eagles. Hell, surprisingly, it would be from, in my eyes, somebody like the Jets, but the Jets aren't giving up a top 10 pick for Ridley. Both their picks fall within the top 10. Because their their second first round pick is from the Seahawks. So like, no, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, no, it, it would have to be a playoff contender late in the first round. The only team I could think of, maybe you wouldn't want to keep them in the NFC. So probably trading to New England in the AFC for the 24th, 25th pick, possibly. And that's, that's a terrible return on Ridley because... He has been incredibly, incredibly productive when he's on the field. Like he's a he's a number one option at wide receiver. You and on top of that, you invested a first round pick in him. I want to say he was either the 16th or 18th pick. Either way, 
you invested a first round pick in him. So to get a later first round pick from him in a draft years later, when you have the cap space and room to pay him, doesn't make much sense. Doesn't make much sense. But depending on how we scout and what our community looks like at this point, it may be it may be more beneficial for us to get another running back. I mean, not another running back, another wide receiver. You know what I'm saying? Running back is definitely a need in the draft. But to get another wide receiver in later rounds at a cheaper rate, which is what we did with Julio and Ridley. But I just don't see any any plausible reason that we wouldn't sign him. All right, this last one, I'm going to try to go ahead and speed through a little because I'm trying to make sure my podcast stay within a certain time frame. Pro Bowl snubs. AJ was a Pro Bowl snub. This man has been a Pro Bowl corner this year. He's not going to make all pro because interceptions is the sexy stat. I kind of made this uh, comparison online. Aaron Rodgers MVP year last year, right? His year this year is far greater than his year last year, even though he has seven less touchdowns. And it's because last year he had, I want to say it was 11. No, it was 10 touchdowns of five yards or more. They threw up their stats in the red zone. Tom Brady did the did the same thing early this season when he had like 12 touchdowns in three games, like eight of them were five yards or less touchdowns. So you're just throwing it in the red zone. Peyton Manning did it his year. He had 55 touchdowns. Um, Patrick Mahomes, his first year starting where he had 50 touchdowns, racking up red zone touchdowns, throwing the ball within the five yards uh, span. Touchdowns is just a sexy stat. You know what I'm saying? And it, it makes people... Not that they're not good. It just makes people seem way better than they actually are. Um, And that's what interceptions do. Diggs leading the league in interceptions. He gives up a tremendous, a tremendous amount of yards. And it's disrespectful that he's in the consideration. Now, J.C. Jackson, uh, obviously, he's another conference. But him being a pro bowler makes perfect sense. And to be honest, for the all pro teams, I see Diggs making it just because the amount of interceptions he has. And then J.C. Jackson, not only for the amount of interceptions, but dude's actually a lockdown. You know what I'm saying? Um, Slay, Slay is really, really good. And it made sense that he would make the team this year. But A.J. has turned it on. couple interceptions. I think he's had uh, two in the past four games. So, you know, he's starting to turn on. He's starting to read defenses he's he hasn't allowed many yards this year but i've been calling it since the beginning of the year that this man is balling out of control and the fact that he's not able to be recognized for that with the pro bowl nod and it doesn't look like he's going to get an all pro nod but you know how they pay you pay me money don't like i love respect but respect me with money aj is going to get paid you know what i'm saying you're not going to pay him after this year obviously it's his second year um, but at the end of next year, his third year, before he even goes into his fourth year, AJ is going to get extended and you're going to give him the bag because AJ is playing bananas. Second guy, Cordell Patterson. I hate to say this. I don't want to be that guy. Cordell did not deserve to make it to the Pro Bowl. Yes, 10 touchdowns is nice, and he's a receiving threat. So, you know, you fall in love with the idea that he's a dual threat. But one, he wasn't a feature back until about week five. And even then, he's had very, he hasn't had a bunch of games over 100 yards receiving. I mean, over 100 yards rushing. He's got total scrimmage yards, a bunch of them. You know what I'm saying? But not enough to justify him being put over a bunch of other guys. Hell, Alvin Kamara missed like three games this year and almost has the exact same amount of yardage. I I love Cordell. I think he's a great weapon. I think Arthur Smith is using him to his fullest capabilities, which is why we 100% want to keep him. Sign him. Sign him to about a four or five million dollar deal per year and sign him for two to three years. I say three years, make the third year uh, vacatable. So that's what, three years, 15 million, give him about 11 up front. So you really guarantee one in one year and then like it'll hurt you a little bit if you cut him in a second. So you got him for two years, basically. You know, three years, 15 is basically two years, 11. Go ahead and sign this man. Keep him. Keep him on the team. But like, do not try to fool yourself into thinking that he's any more than a really, really nice weapon. We still need to draft a running back, you know what I'm saying, and get a, a serious runner 
He's great in the pass game coming out of the backfield. But even earlier in the year, when we had to rely on him strictly as a wide receiver, you see our pass game suffered. Cordell, is a, he's, a, he's a nice threat, and you can fit him in multiple positions. But don't get overwhelmed. He's not a Pro Bowl player. He racked up a bunch of touchdowns in a short amount of time. But other than that, he hasn't been overly effective. Hate to end it on a bad note, make it feel like I'm shitting on Cordell. I love Cordell. Not only as a player, but like as a guy. If you follow him on social media, he's super active. He's saying all the right things about the Falcons. And he deserves to be paid. Deserves to be paid. I'm just not a Pro Bowl player this year. All right, you guys. I appreciate you. We're back rocking and rolling. Thank you for all that you do. Hit me up uh, on Instagram at Q City Media. Send me any and everything. You know what I'm saying? I'll discuss it in City Talk about your Falcons, about the about the Hawks. Um, and we'll talk it out. We'll talk it out, man. I appreciate feedback. Anybody want to talk about anything? So hit me up, Q City Media on Instagram and YouTube. And then uh, Q City 11 on Twitter. Love you guys. Appreciate it. Enjoy the ride. Peace. Looking like I hit the lotto. I wanna hide it like my lotto. I'm on here and she on me scuttle. I'm in them good till tomorrow. I'm a robber for the narrows. Yo, little logs, I'ma put you on payroll. You smell that aroma? Design it, yeah, it's a party, yeah. Papa Corona? She moving the body, she working them heels. Gotta go get him mentality. Grocery bag full of celery. On the believe, had what you telling me. Keep a 20 on my case emergency. I wake up early every morning. Thank the Lord and get the bag. Hustle hard, get the cash. That first, then I'll show him my ass. Gotta go get him mentality. Grocery bag full of celery. On the believe, had what you telling me. Keep a 20 on my case emergency. My babies, that's who I grind for. That's who I do it for. Like the Navy. That's who I'm toting that iron for. Keep one in the head like a thought, nigga. Yeah, I fuck with Ty, he a boss, nigga. Put on that neck, I exhaust, nigga. Niggas cross me, so I cross, nigga. No scripture was lit last night. 500, what it cost, nigga. Shit was really legit last night. Had them hoes at the house, nigga. Instagram, Snapchat, Triller. What they say about Jay, he a go-getter. Used to have them fat sacks in the grove, nigga. Late nights, early morning, my dough, nigga. You smell that aroma? Design it, yeah, it's a party, yeah. Papa Corona, she moving the body, she working them heels. Gotta go get him mentality. Grocery bag full of celery. On the believe, had what you telling me. Keep a 20 